Welcome back, you guys, to the fourth episode of Let's Get It Out. I think it's the fourth. But let me just start off with, I'd like to apologize. I wasn't able to post last week's episode. I lost my voice. So a little backstory is, throughout the week, I had a sore throat. Well, at the beginning of the week, I had a sore throat. And towards the end of the week, it was getting better. And last Thursday, I had to work. And I was working with my friend. And after closing, um, we usually use headsets like to talk. And after closing, we didn't want to use our headsets. So we were just screaming and yelling at each other from across the store. She was at the front. I was like in the back. And <laughs> um, after coming home... If we weren't we weren't fighting. We were just like yelling because we didn't want to use our headsets. So after coming home, I was on Facetime with a friend, and apparently I was like using my voice very loudly, according to my mom. And so Friday morning comes. I'm getting ready for school. I work out in the morning. I take a shower. I make my breakfast and all that stuff. And my mom comes down, and she says good morning to me, and I go to open my mouth and talk to her and nothing comes out. Nothing. It scared me. I could only whisper. Like, words can only come out of my mouth if I whispered. So that day I had to go to school. I was basically using my notes app to talk to people. And then at school, I was using the Google Translator and like typing whatever I wanted and just clicking like play and Siri would be talking to me. It was funny. And so also I had to work that day as well. And my coworker didn't know I lost my voice. And so I, I, oh my God, I could barely do my job. It was horrible. So I was just kind of just walking around fixing boxes. Saturday comes, no words were able to come out of my mouth. Not a peep and oh my god it was so hard i spent the weekend drinking endless amounts of tea almost i actually burned my tongue one time that was bad and then sunday comes around it got a little better like i it was you can tell like i was able to make form words but <laughs> that morning i had to work and before i left my dad made a comment that I sounded like I've been smoking a pack of cigarettes a day for 20 years. I I really ap- appreciated it. It was it was great. Way good way to start off my morning. Um yeah, thanks dad for the comment. <laughs> uh but yeah, I sounded like that for the majority of this week. Yesterday and probably the day before I was getting a lot better. And I think it's it's fully back. Sometimes it, a weird peep or like squeak will come out, but I think I'm good to go. And if this is an, this was an experience for me. I've never lost my voice before. You you never really know how much you use your voice until you lose it. It's it's crazy. But I'm glad I'm back. I'm excited for today's episode because we're gonna be talking about standards. So relationship standards. Spring is in the air. Well, supposedly, if if you live in Oregon, it's not 
here yet, but it will get there eventually. But spring is in the air. That usually means love is in the air, whatever. And it's time. It's that season for prom. My prom is a couple in a couple weeks. I'm scared, but I'm excited. Excited. And so I thought it would be a good idea to make an episode on standards since we're in that season, you know. So let's just get it started. So let's start off. What are standards? These are the fundamental qualities attributes and other aspects that must be present in the person you're seeking interest or you're interested in and what makes these standards is that they're aspects that if they're not present they're gonna be a deal breaker for you you're just gonna be nope next one you know think of it think of them as check boxes and so why, what's the importance of them? There's a couple of reasons why. So we, it makes sure our needs are met in a relationship. It ensures ourselves that we're not settling for less than we deserve. And with that, we make sure we're going to be respected by that other person. Second, the process of choosing someone is so much easier. Having your standards set makes looking for a partner much easier because you know what you want and you know what you don't want. And so when you see something you don't want or those undesirable qualities, you just move on to the next next person. It's simple as that. And also it's because everyone who is looking for partners deserves someone that brings out the best in ourselves. We, we want someone that brings out the best in ourselves. Someone that makes us feel safe, worry-free, comfortable, happy. Here, here, this, think of it this way. You invite your friends, this is an example. You invite your friends over for dinner and you're the cook, right? And you're thinking of making pasta or whatever, you know? And you intend to make a bowl of salad as the, like the starter, you know? That's usually, like if you go to Olive Garden, whatever, you have salad for a starter so you realize you don't have salad uh, sorry you don't have lettuce in your fridge so you walk to your local grocery store you walk yourself to a section of the fruits and vegetables and you spot the lettuces you go to pick one up and then realize the edges of them of the leaves are brown you didn't you wouldn't go eat food that you know would make you sick like, you're just not going to eat that. You go on to the next, see if there's a better lettuce thing, you know? So this is where my, this, which leads me to my question. Why would you be with someone that isn't giving you the half, happy, comfortable, worry-free environment? Just like, let's say, why would you go up and eat? something that's gonna not be good for you because we shouldn't ignore those red flags in a person we shouldn't ignore we shouldn't ignore those red flags like we shouldn't ignore mold on our food i don't think red flags would be like the most accurate word because red flags are warning signs this is more deal breakers we shouldn't ignore those significant 
identifiers that we know are going to either make or break a relationship. So what qualifies to be a standard? First, this is where I th- a lot of people, I realize a lot of people get confused. We need to separate standards from a wish list because they can get intertwined. The difference between a standard and a wish list is that standards are priorities while wish lists are expectations. For example, wanting your partner to be a certain height is a wish list. That is not a standard. You can meet someone that's probably not six foot or five, eight, or whatever height you want, but they will still make you happy and be fulfilling, you know? And so here we're gonna, I'm gonna list a couple standards and explain. Now this is probably standards that I feel like everybody should have if you're looking for a serious relationship. Not just casual dating, not just whatever, a serious relationship. So this this is just a warning. If you like them, you don't like them, whatever. You know, it's just my opinion. <laughs> so the first one is, this is the most important one, I think. Understanding the way someone should be loved. Everybody, hopefully, understands or knows what lang- love languages are. And there's, if you don't, I'll explain them. There's five main types. So there's words of affirmation, there's physical touch, gifts, acts of service, quality time. And so those are just ways that a person knows or feels affection at the highest when they're receiving them. That's their way of being loved. So for words of affirmation, it's phrases like, I love you, compliments on an outfit. For example, if you're talking about getting, if you're in a relationship and you guys, apparently one of you are like talking about getting a raise at work, your partner would respond, oh, I knew you could do it, or I'm so proud of you. And it doesn't, it doesn't have to be after like an achievement, it could be on the verge of you could be on the verge of quitting your job and you're talking about the situation that's going on and your partner could say something like you got this don't give up or I have faith in you keep going it's those types of phrases that makes a person feel good the second one is physical touch it's not always sexual it can be Touch like uh, hugs, holding hands, kisses, pats on the back, head resting on someone's shoulder. Or or the one that when you're like walking with someone and then they have their like arms around you. It's just basically using body language to show your affection. Personally, this is my lane. I'm usually a person that always says I don't like people touching me. Which is true. But if I'm close to you, like receiving touch from a loved one that makes you feel warm on the inside, it's really good. It makes you happy. It's the type of warmth that 
gives you giggles that makes you like lose it for a sec and so you have to look down at your shoes and like scrunch your lips to contain your smile you know that those butterflies it makes you feel good and that's personally me the third one is gifts so receiving pieces of jewelry things that remind you of them or items boxes of chocolates whatever and the most common one is giving flowers personally I can't stand the common bouquet of roses. I'm not trying to be a pick me here, but it's 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 too repetitive. It's I can't do it. If someone were to give me a bouquet of roses, I would leave you. I don't care who you are. I would just leave, get in my car, drive away. I I, I wouldn't do it. Because you chose the most commonly given flower. You could have given me anything else that probably gives you more of my vibe. Personally, I prefer, if I were to receive a flower, either be daisies or, I don't know, I forgot what they're called, but it's the ones that just have like it's tiny small flowers. It's just like very tiny small flowers or a single white rose no red roses no pink no yellow just the one single white rose i don't know why or people or if you're dating people this is some advice if you want to pressure partners with flowers buy them a flower that reminds you of them or buy them a flower and then when like you're rece- giving it to them, tell them like, oh, this flower is like supposed to, because apparently like, flowers have um, like meanings behind them or like, you know, those things. It's, it's, it's attractive. That's, that's how, that's how someone should give flowers, my opinion. Um, the fourth one is acts of service. So doing chores for someone bringing lunch for someone, washing dishes for them, not necessarily being someone's maid, but just doing little acts acts of services that makes them feel good. Personally, I can't stand when people do stuff for me, so this is not my lane. It it kind of pisses me off. I don't know why. I, I feel like, I don't know, I just have, I like doing things by myself. But I know a lot of people that, like or like this is their lane and I see where they're coming from because it's nice to see when someone notices the things you do in your daily routine in the errands you run and they help to choose help you out or like it shows their affection through these actions and it's like really nice to see that and the last one is quality time which is taking walks date nights, random chit-chats. Quality time doesn't mean you have to do something with them. It can just mean also them being in the same room with you. Which reminds me on how underrated, comfortable silence is. For example, my, my parents are going to know this. This is very true of me. But every time in a car driving or I'm in the passenger seat I'm not the type to talk 
I'm dead silent just looking out the window or listening to the music, but I'm just, I'm not going to say a word. And I, I just prefer to be quiet in the car. Some people find that to be awkward, but I'm being able to be comfortably silent in a space with a person is very important and beneficial. Reasons because you learn how to read the person and also read the tension of the room. You can learn when a person feels happy, sad, anxious, worried. It's the type of communication that doesn't require words. And for all these, each person has their own. Each, not everyone fits into all five of these types. And I truly believe it when the type of love language that we associate ourselves is the love that we didn't receive or didn't receive as much as we should have during our childhood. And that's what I've seen in people. And there's a couple studies that have done this, but that's what I guess I agree with. Okay, the second standard is emotional maturity. And there's many aspects to be emotionally mature. One, are they able to be vulnerable with you? Are they able to bring up an issue or a problem or a situation that might make them feel a little bit uncomfortable? And are they express are they able to express their feelings with honesty? Because relationships are a space for mutual sharing. Secondly, are they able to approach the problem, situation, whatever, with calmness, logic, and empathy? So they're putting down their feelings for a little bit to understand where you are coming from, or they, you need to also put your down your feelings for a little bit to know where they are coming from. And also this comes with, so when the discussion of the problem comes up, they're not gaslighting you, they're not putting you down, they're not manipulating you, or they're not blaming others. Can they take the responsibility for their actions and admit to fault? That is emotional maturity. The third one is passions. It's a combination of three. Passions goals, and drive. This is one of the most attractive things about a person, but it, it's, it's a standard for a lot of people that I've talked to. Because no matter what, it doesn't matter what, whether it's in the arts, at your job, at school, fuck it, if you're like so into the stock market or you love going to the gym, whatever your passions are, it shows that they care about something that's close to their heart. It also shows that they're not lazy because you work hard for things that you really enjoy. And they present confidence and they want to self-improve. And self-improvement is always something I've always strived to do every single day. And that's really 
important for me because you don't want to be with someone. I like asked my mom this yesterday. Would you? Because I was asking for her advice on like topics, but would you date? I know she's married, but would you date someone that sits on their couch all day and doesn't have a job? And she's like, no. I'm like, why would you? Why would you do that? They don't have passions. They don't have drive. It's it's something to look good for. Okay, and the there's the next one is respects and understands boundaries. It is the bare minimum to respect boundaries, but it sadly a lot of people don't understand boundaries, and this can come in different ways. There's physical boundaries. There's emotional boundaries. There's material boundaries, and that comes as financial or, like, space-wise. But when it comes to establishing boundaries, remember you are not being rude for knowing what you want. I've noticed that people that have their boundaries set and clear, they're usually named or labeled as rude and mean which is not true at all just because they don't let others take advantage of themselves or get trampled on doesn't make them rude this is a very crucial standard that i believe everyone needs to set clearly and early on and everyone's boundaries aren't going to look the same So you have to know the person and where they stand to know what, to know that you're not going to cross the line or they are not going to cross your lines. Okay, the next one, it's going to be tough. Okay, when when they are financially stable, and this is going to be controversial because I know there's going to be people out there listening to this and think this is the equivalent of being a gold digger. First of all, there's a huge difference between being financially stable and being rich. Yes, I agree it is wrong to be in it for the money. You should never look out love or whatever just because you're in the money. But it also isn't wrong to look out for your best interests. I understand there's people... I understand we want to purchase sometimes things. I'm the same way. Recently, with coffee, I just want to, every morning, I want to go to my local coffee shop that's not even a mile away from my house, so I have to, like, fight the urge just to get in my car and get a coffee every morning. I got, like, two coffees this week already, and I should have only gotten one. So, yeah, that's bad. But, anyways, it happens to the best of us. But when it comes to compulsive spending, not knowing your limits, the consequences of overspending, it can impact both of you negatively. Because when you're in a serious relationship, their problems become your problems and your problems become their problems. Trust me. Because let's say one day you guys go out to dinner and little background knowledge They invite you to dinner. You do not invite them. They invite you. And the person that invited 
a person is usually the one that's paying. That's how I usually grew up. I don't know how it works for others, but that's how I, I would think it would work. You guys go out to eat. The bill comes. The person that invited you puts in their card. And then the waiter goes to put it in, comes back, and says, Oh, the card doesn't have en enough money. The card declines. So the person that put in their car, they're like, oh, I don't have enough, enough money to pay for the meal. I can fully understand there's sometime, that sometimes that happens where you miscalculate the amount that you think you're going to spend and you, you don't have enough. I know s some things like that happen, but and you're going to say, okay, I can do it this time. or, But how are you going to say it's okay? when they don't have enough money to pay rent or the monthly payments on a car. Be with someone that makes wise financial decisions because you don't want their problem be to become your problem. And also, where I come from is my dad is a self-made man. He built his life up from scratch. We, I'm not saying we're rich, but we have everything we need. We have a nice home. We have enough cars. We have, we have money to go on vacations. I have a nice home. And I'm aware of that. And my dad made all that happen. He didn't have back up or he did it all by himself so where I'm coming from is my question is why would I want to settle for something that is less than that my my dad practically set the bar so why would I want to be with someone that is not going to be able to give me that Why would I want to live a less fulfilling life than the one I had in my childhood? It's just something to think about. I was talking to my mom with this, and she also agrees. And not everyone will agree with this, and that's okay, because everybody's different on what they're looking for. But I feel like it's definitely something to think about. And the last one I'm going to be listening, because there's a lot more I could go on forever and ever, but... This is probably one of them. Having a good listener. Recently, I've noticed people don't give 100% attention to a speaker or a person that is talking. Sometimes we are distracted. I get it. We're distracted by our phones. Or something else that's going on in the background. Music. Someone else. Whatever. But when it comes to someone that is talking to us. We should always give them our full attention. And that means facing their direction. Having eye contact. And having your listening ears on and I know it's a little childish on how I worded that but 
it's really, really sad how people would be talking about something personal or something that's really important to them and receive only half of a person's attention. For, like, to put this in your head, sometimes, you know, it's that situation where you, let's say you guys are, like, at the lunch table, or you know when you guys were younger, you were at the lunch table, and you were all with your group of friends, and someone's talking, and everybody would be, like, looking at them, but all of a sudden, these two or three other people would start a conversation out of the middle of nowhere and they start their own conversation and then just completely ignore the person that was talking and then you yourself are still looking at the person that was talking and you witness the entire you witness them have a frown on their face that frown appears and you just you know what's going on and you feel really bad and then they noticed you were the only one that was listening. You, that's, we don't want to make someone feel that way. We don't want to put that frown on someone else. So that's why having good listening skills is a standard that I feel like everyone should have. And for all these points I've listed, Let's not be hypocrites. Don't put all these on your significant other if you're not going to discipline yourself and not follow these as well. Don't expect someone to be a good listener, but you or you're not a good listener yourself. Just because someone expects us to have their full attention when talking to them means you don't have to. Because we don't want to be hypocrites at the end of the day. It's a Mutual way, because relationships are mutual. You have to work both ways to make something work. And so, let's talk about the bare minimum. Your standards should always be above the bar bare minimum. And recently, my go-to saying has been, the bar is in hell. The amount, a lot of people's standards are just very low. And it's probably, I think it's because we probably praise the bare minimum a lot. We need, first of all, we need to stop that. We need to stop praising the bare minimum. For example, receiving respect is the bare minimum. Not cheating is the bare minimum. Not having to ask for affection is the bare minimum. We always have to have it a little bit higher because why would you go for something simple? Because you deserve better than that. And so how do you set standards for yourself? To set standards for yourself, I would ask, I would recommend asking these questions. Number one. What do you need from a relationship and not want need? Second one is, if you have had a past relationship, what was missing from it? What did you not receive that you should have? What did you not like about it? What did the other person 
do that made you feel either unhappy, uncomfortable, made you worry, those significant significant qualities should probably be paid more attention to and then take that and make standards out of that. And just a couple notes to wrap this up. Never lower your standards just because you can't find anyone. If you can't find it in your school, you can't find it at your work, you can't find it in your city, you can find it in another city, you can find it in another state. There's always going to be somewhere, someone better out there. Never lower your standards because someone says your standards are too high or you'll never find that. Because you're deserving of a love that you are, you know what you're worthy of. Don't make other people's opinions or thoughts downgrade you just because their standards are probably lower than yours. And don't let anyone say that you, you deserve a love that fulfills you. Don't let anyone say that you don't. And with that, yeah, it wraps up our episode today. I was really happy to be back. And I hope you guys have a great rest. If you're on spring break, I'm on spring break right now. I hope if you guys have a good spring break. Um, but yeah, probably have a good beginning of April. Have a good beginning of April. I'm, I'm actually excited to see anyone that does that April Fools. Oh my God, I'm excited to see those pranks. But have, I hope you guys have a good day. And thank you for listening. Bye.